Hi, this is Justin. Just wanted to say up front, we had some technical difficulties with this episode, and Fanny's mic goes out about halfway through. Uh, you can still hear her, but it's pretty quiet. Uh, sorry about that. We just figured we'd give the original conversation to you all. Um, hopefully next week things will be better. Uh, enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Nix, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore, and we nix it. I'm Fanny Darling. And I'm Justin Hartung, third writer of the apocalypse. Yes, chef. <laughs> As always, a quick warning, there might be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast or just obscure references to jokes we made <laughs> earlier that you're not going to understand. Well, hopefully you will. <laughs> hopefully we'll pull this all together. But we will let you know that they're coming. <laughs> this episode, we've got reviews of Knock at the Cabin, M. Night. Oh my good lord! <laughs> Don't answer it! <laughs> This is M. Night Shyamalan's adaption of Say It Loud for the Cheap Seats, Paul Tremblay's horror novel. We've also seen Oscar Best Picture nominee, Women Talking, and a ton of other pop culture to talk about. Okay, as always, this is a plea to rate and review us. Please do that. It would make us feel good. We'd read it on the air and say your name and, like, send you good thoughts, which this day and age, good thoughts are worth a lot. So, do you want to talk about the movie, Justin? Let's do it. Knock at the Cabin. (laughs) Let's do it. Knock at the Cabin is M. Night Shyamalan's adaptation of Paul Tremblay. Paul Paul Tremblay, he's the author of this novel, and it is called Cabin at the End of the World. All of these references to the author of the novel will become clear when we get a little (laughs) bit down the road, guys. Um, We talked about the novel on this podcast. Please go back and seek it out. It was probably at least 18 months ago, Um, but it's worth a listen. Book's worth a read. It's about two married gay men and their adopted daughter, Wynne, who get a visit from four mysterious strangers while they are in a remote cabin that they rented on Airbnb. Doesn't say that on there. I'm just seeing if we can get a slander here. (laughs) The dads are Jonathan... Or a promo. Yes. (laughs) The dads are Jonathan Groff and Ben Aldridge, and David Batista plays Leonard, the leader of the four mysterious strangers. We will do a spoiler-free review, like just up off the top, and we will warn you before we go into spoilers. What did you think, Justin? So, Knock at the Cabin. I went in to this movie basically ready to hate it because if you go back and listen to the podcast about the book originally, it was very traumatizing. Mm-hmm. I don't know that this is... It's funny. I would say that I don't think this is a filmable novel because it was so upsetting and so visceral and raised... I mean, Paul Tremblay is a fantastic writer. Told Which this, is part of the problem. Yeah, really is part of the problem. Told this amazing story uh, that also sort of uh, pinged some sort of sensitive things for me. Um, and uh, yeah, so I was not, I was already not ready for this adaptation no matter who did it. Right. And frankly, when I heard that it was M. Night Shyamalan, I was like, well, he's not a gross out kind of director so maybe this is actually an an interesting or decent choice what is he interested in uh about this book what is he gonna do with this jonathan groff i've always sort of like liked um even though i kind of always just plays jonathan groff um dave bautista i was like that's an interesting choice but actually kind of makes sense i the preview made me very nervous but also like 
I mean, it looks right, but like if it looks right, it's going to torture me if it's even like close to the real book. Um, I will say that he has made changes here without getting into specifics. We'll talk about more in spoilers that felt like, of course, you had to make those changes. Um, felt kinder to the viewer, not kinder to the story, but kinder yeah. to the viewer. And we'll psyche. get more into spoilers, whether like where that works and yeah. where that doesn't work. But as an M. Night Shyamalan movie, like pretty good, I have to say. That's my weird, like unexpected takeaway of this is that I think it works for the most part pretty well the actors are really good the i think the direction in places is great there are other places where the direction is very sloppy m night where you're like you could have thought about that for two more clicks and maybe made us we did yeah there's a lot of weird like moments where you're like what are you what are you doing sir like don't yeah you could just whatever i um but I don't know. Overall, like if I had not read the book and I was like a Shyamalan neutral person or even like a non Shyamalan person, like it's effective because it's a good story and it's well acted and I think it's well filmed. Um, I think as it stands, it's probably one of his better movies. I was I was surprised. Like I, I sort of got why. I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much of that has to do with him and how much of that is like his cinematographer or whatever, but, um, and cinematographer caster, and the, having the bones of a really good story. hundred percent that too. Um, what'd you think? Again, I completely agree with you. Uh, it was pretty to look at all. Uh, I thought Dave Bautista was great. Really good. I really did think he was good. Really um, good. I mean, like, I know he's a good actor and that people need to give him more of a shot. And I hope that the one thing that this movie does do is give him that um pretty to look at story was good i do agree with you probably as an m night Shyamalan movie it is certainly better than lady in the water Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but i it's because he was given such good easy bones to work with and and that, spoilers. <laughs> yeah, that kind of it, it, that kind of stings because he's not acknowledging that. That's true. Like, yeah, we can say up front. We've talked about it on the podcast before, but the marketing materials for these very much downplayed the Paul Tremblay aspect of this for a very wealth wealthy, well well known, rich director to kind of not you know pay it forward and you know talk about a great leading voice in horror and like yeah, a leading a voice in horror who uh, who this is. Paul Tremblay, basically Stephen King himself has said, here, this is yours. My kingdom lays at your feet. Allow me to blurb everything you do and push you. You are the heir apparent. And, and better than King, and, and, and King says that, <laughs> yeah. you know, basically. Paul Tremblay to date just took a sabbatical from his teaching job. He's a math teacher and a, and a basketball coach where he lives, and this is the first time because he's become so busy that he, he didn't even quit. He took a sabbatical. So to not give this man his ups on a movie that you're going to make millions of dollars at and to, to literally not even put his name on the poster, it's... It's, it's rude. It's, it's insulting. Yeah. It's 
I, I do not know how Paul Tremblay's head did not blow up. Yeah, He's a at, better person and, than I am. And at a level of Shyamalan, you're like, you could have fought this if the studio Oh, absolutely. This. This and is, you should yeah. have. Yeah. If you fought to make this movie because you thought it was so worth making, it, you fought that because of Paul Tremblay, and you should have fought to say, just small, based on Paul Tremblay's novel. Yeah. That's all you had to do. Instead, you want such credit for, I wrote, you know, I wrote the screenplay. There wasn't a lot in this that wasn't Paul Tremblay, and the, what you changed, right. 85% of it wasn't good changes. Yeah, and I, I want to say, before we get into spoilers, it's interesting, we'll talk more about Last of Us later in this episode, um, and yeah, this sort of thing, I'm, in, I'm very, and I can talk about this a little bit without being spoilery, these stories that we're getting about gay couples in these apocalyptic situations, which I don't know, two doesn't necessarily make a trend, but uh, it is starting to feel, I mean, it's an interesting question for me. And I think spoilers will sort of help clarify it a little bit, but of like, there's a double-edged sort of representation where you're like, oh, we're now just in these game culture kind of things. And this very popular horror novel that's being adapted by M night. And like, Gay people are subjected to all the terrible shit that straight people are like cool and coming out of this theater and seeing it being like mostly like teenagers and like Emeryville who are just kind of like clearly like, oh, yeah, that's probably the last thing they thought about. Like it makes me appreciative on one level because it's so just baked into the fabric of things. And I appreciate creators that take that approach. But I'm also like. I don't know, like, there's a part of me that's like, why are these gay, why are there not gay creators owning these stories, and why are they not, because it's sensitive, because I think it really... A lot of the people involved in the Last of Us episode were gay. Okay, that's good to know, we can talk about that more. (laughs) Um, But it, yeah, it starts to feel a little like, who's telling these stories and why, I think is a big question for me. Um, So, that's all I'll say before spoilers. Well, and I think... I won't go too into this either, but I do think the fact that a lot of the people that were involved in the Last of Us episode being gay is the reason that it was not as egregious as, like, I don't think it was egregious at all, but I don't think, I think that that is a lot of the reason that some of the choices that were made that could have been crueler to bury the gay narrative weren't made. Right. We'll get more into all of this. Let's go first into spoilers and knock in the cabin. We are going to say easy here. Three knocks. Uh, that's one knock. It was that like eight knocks, knocks, though. There were plenty of knocks. <laughs> um, you got, you've been warned. Go see knock at the cabin. We're going to fully spoil this and the book. I'd yeah. say see it. I would actually give this a see it if you haven't read the book. I mean, read the book first, but also the book's really traumatic. So, <laughs> like, the movie's actually a pretty... <laughs> Spoilers! Spoiler spoiler warner. Here we go. You were going to say the the movie's less traumatic. Yes, the movie one very big level is less traumatic. They do not uh, kill Wen, which was a gut wrenching point of this book, in which I was like, also like, why am I reading this book? Like, no, I sat the book down and was like, I'm sorry, what now? Yeah, and I think the big difference, obviously, is that the. The, the the book ends on a much more like did any of this matter it's right. much more ambiguous whereas the movie clearly leans into like pretty much yeah we're gonna tell you it mattered yeah, the sacrifice was, was worth it yeah well and it it's straightforward they were right the apocalypse had started 
your sacrifice meant that the sacrifice that the that the apocalypse didn't and daddy and daughter are traumatized and will be sad forever but also they know that their relative and they're the person that they love sacrifice really meant something when even says did daddy eric save everyone oh is that what the line was i yeah, missed that's that what line she said, she said totally... did daddy eric save everyone okay i totally couldn't hear that yeah. for some reason um which, you know, is the whole M. Night Shyamalan, you know, was, well, what's the twist going to be? What's it? And, and because Tremblay so brilliantly, his ambigu- ambiguity in most of his novels is the horror. That is so much of his horror is the ambiguity of is it mental illness? Is it not true? I'm speaking of, of his work as a whole. Um, so now, so the people were like, well, what's M. Night Shyamalan going to do to twist? You know, what's he, is he going to come up with an answer? Basically, his answer was, the twist is there's no twist. Ha ha, gotcha. Right. And you could feel The him- twist was the four horsemen. Yeah. Which also was, as we've talked about earlier, but we'll say here again, was not in the book. In this also- it's not in the book. Also, as I mentioned to Justin at one point, I'm like, wait a minute. Is Yes Chef one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse? There is no comfort or no. Um, healing. Guidance? No. No, these no... are like the kindest four horsemen of the apocalypse ever. Yeah. This is the four horsemen uh, rebranding, which, you know, sure, M. Night, for your cult, great, but uh, for a movie, it was a little weird mm-hmm. and out of nowhere. Um, that was odd. Um, much less graphic. I do yes. want to, like, tip that. The the movie is like pretty. Uh, Everything is implied, and it's horrifying. I knew yeah. what was happening, and I still was oh, horrified. Yeah. So it was effective in that way. Um, the the little girl was a the cutest little girl I've ever seen in my she life. Was very cute. B she was good and understated. She wasn't just precocious and over the top. And the scenes, the flashback scenes of them as a family were. I, they must have done some sort of like hangout, yeah, because they were so familiar and sweet and fun, yeah. and you know you could be in that car with those people, and it was very, it was very effective. And that's the good side of Shyamalan is that when he's good at character dynamics, like even Bruce Willis and his kid, like sure he gets that wasn't his kid, but yeah, well, in uh, I think it's Unbreakable. Oh, okay, oh um, yeah, 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 right. But also that's a parental yeah. role or whatever. I know, like, I know, I know. He's good at that kind of thing but i think ultimately i'm like what are you what are you what are both of you doing with this story right i don't i have a lot of questions about why are these characters gay what is it saying about faith i i think tremblay is not really interested in faith i think tremblay is like faith that's a joke like yeah <laughs> and i think then that was part of his i don't even know if he's like that as a joke but that was part of his ambiguity ambiguity yeah. was one of them had sort of faltering faith but still the religion was a bigger know, part it was of a the bigger book. part of it but it wasn't like oh that's silly but it also wasn't like oh that's true right you know <laughs> right yeah you can sort of see weirdly why Shyamalan was attracted to it because he questions this kind of faith thing of like right. is there are there ghosts like can you see things like are there you know it's sort of this constant thing of like are there aliens can you believe me can you trust me can you like that's a common thing in his movies yeah. but coming at it from totally different angles which 
I don't know. I don't like. I'm still unresolved. We'll talk about this more with The Last of Us. I would say see this movie. I actually recommend it more than I thought I would. So, um, but also read the book and also read his other books, which don't read Headful of Ghosts, man. It'll scare you. It'll. I think Headful of Ghosts is his funnest. So good. Paul Tremblay. Shout out. That's how we're ending this review. Also, Paul Tremblay. I can say personally. Good dude. Yeah. I mean, A, all the stuff I read about him anyway, but I have interacted with him only on Twitter. Each time he has spoken to me personally, he went out of his way to be very kind during a quest for a friend of mine who was in hospice and didn't have to do that, didn't have to, you know, could have just retweeted, could have just left it alone. Instead, went out of his way to be kind and to be caring. I think Paul Tremblay is a good dude by his books. Yeah, you can tell even through the books, like, yeah, no, you generally can. the whole, the entirety of them. Yeah, he tweeted the other day that he was missing. He's like, I didn't know that I'd miss my basketball. They ha- they're having their first game tonight, and I'm not there, and I miss it. And that was really sweet. Aww, you know, it's like it. you, you could think, oh, yeah, you're off making movies and stuff. But Wait a minute. Like, was the was the Leonard coaching thing a nod to probably, that? Yeah. I didn't get that. Okay. Probably. Because I don't remember if that was part of the book originally. I remember. I don't remember if he yeah. was a teacher or a coach, but right. I'm sure that was a Tremblay nod. Guidance. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> guidance is not one, of the, not one of the... <laughs> no. That's a little more than guidance. Shy. <laughs> yeah. Sir no. Shy. Um, all right. Should we talk about women talking? Yeah, we should. Because uh, we haven't been traumatized enough. I know. This is a heavy episode, everybody. Sorry. Uh, we'll get to some really dumb stuff later, we promise. Uh, Sarah Polly directs this Best Picture nominee. Uh, it's based semi-based on true events. Uh, it's about a group of women in a remote, unnamed town, probably in Canada. Uh, but they have to make a decision about their next steps after several multiple sexual assaults happen um, from the men in their conservative religious community, uh, which is sort of goes unnamed, but is roughly based on it's, kind of Mennonite yeah. Amish. Mennonite kind of, Amish. Yeah. The, the the author of the novel is was in a grew up in a Mennonite community. So. Yeah, and names you've heard of this uh, include Claire Foy, Jesse Buckley, Rooney Mara, and Judith Ivy, who we haven't seen in a while, which I'm all for the Judith Ivy uh, renaissance. Need, uh, this I need a, you to tell me which one's Claire Foy and which one's Jesse uh, Buckley. I my taste blindness <laughs> was rough in this, folks. Um, Justin reaches over to me. Is that Buckley? And later he tells me, because he was sitting there thinking, oh, she's so good. Who is she? Oh, every time I do this, it's Buckley. Yeah. And then he said afterwards, which one was Foy? I said, she was the one that wasn't Buckley. Yeah. That's, this is not a good movie for people with white women face blindness. Cause it <laughs> or is, uh, apparently even Ben Wishaw. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Ben Wishaw also is in this. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I think spoilers are sort of a non-issue in this movie because it's really not about I mean, the that. only question is... Do they leave? We can right. get to that at the very end. Yeah. We'll tell you. What do you think of this movie? I loved this movie. Um, and I also never want to watch this movie again. Um, I highly recommend seeing it. Um, this is this this is right up there with another muted, practically black and white movie for me, uh, Elephant Man. Oh, I interesting. I saw in fourth grade. And the the... And I cried for two weeks. <laughs> My mother probably again. Claudia should not have taken Fanny to a movie at that age. David Lynch. Uh, yes, <laughs> but the the injustice in Elf, very similar feelings of injustice and outrage of this shouldn't even be a question. This shouldn't even be happening. This this these people are hurting for reasons that could easily be prevented, and um, and having to. 
to choose possible death to to escape it. Um, anyway, I felt very I loved it. I, it was hard for me to sit with. I thought everyone in it was really, really good, um, particularly Jesse Buckley and Runa Mara. Um, I thought Ben Ben Wishaw. I, I think Ben Wishaw is a fascinating actor. I do not think he has. I will talk about this later in pop culture this month. Um, I don't think he's made a bad decision, and he's always good. He chooses such interesting parts. Really, like range, like wide. His diversity. range is amazing, yeah. and I just I adore him. Um, I thought Judith Ivy was great. I the two young girls were really good. I have had to make this decision. I have had to have this quorum, this, you know, come to Jesus moment where you sit. And for me, it was just in my own brain of, do I go? (laughs) And I've packed up the trunk and I've gone. And I loved that this movie didn't take a stance on which one they should do. Yeah, it wasn't really the question. No, it wasn't the yeah. question. And it was like whatever stance, whatever decision the women made was going to be what they made. And it didn't say that one was better than the other. I loved the way it was just we're going to sit down and we're going to choose what we're going to do and then we're going to do it. And when you're in that sort of trauma that is it. It's 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 just okay. I have to decide which path I'm taking and take it because I can't do nothing, and or I can, but that then I have to decide that I'm doing nothing. Right. Um. Anyway, I, it's super worth th- seeing. I really think Sarah Polley should have been nominated for this because the cast. It is twelve to fifteen people sitting in a hay mow. To make that special, to make that ring true, to make you care, the director has to work with their actors and direct them in such a way that you're in the room with them and you are in the room with these women from the moment it starts, from the moment the narration starts. And I I, I think she really should have been nominated for this. But I loved it. I thought it was great. What'd you think? Sorry, I went no, on a bit. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's funny because I think one of my first reactions coming out of this was like... Fanny's crying? <laughs> well, that, but also I felt like just even like just if I had just been on my own, I'm like, I don't... It's like, it's a very... It triggers things, I think, in women, like women especially, or probably any survivors of sure. abuse of any kind. Um, and I haven't experienced that. And I... Um, I, I felt like weirdly, like almost more than any movie I've ever seen. I was just like, this is just not like I can. This isn't about this. me. <laughs> and I'm is not. It's really not about me. Right. It's like, you know, I'm the Ben Wishaw sitting here kind of like <laughs> taking notes. And, like, <laughs> like, and it's so cool that you felt that way, though, because and that they did have that character of you are the trusted. You are my trusted person that I let in to know about my pain. Right. You are the person that I can tell all of my horrible stories too that maybe I can't tell anybody else. Right. And I trust you with them. And so I think that's awesome that that's what you felt and that you, cause you are my Ben Wisha. You are, you know, and that is, that's a really important person to be 
in someone's Aww. life. Oh, love you back. And but also like I think there was something about well, I don't want to make it about him because it's really not, but it, like his his powerlessness no, came through in a way of like I know this is wrong. I don't know what to do about this. But it's really not about him at the end of the day. He I wanna... let, but he let them tell. He let them tell him what they wanted him to do, and he did it, and he respected it. Yeah. And and yes, it's not about him, but his role was important in the way it was treated throughout. It's yes, it's not about Ben Shaw. I get yeah. that, but the fact that he didn't push, even though he was very in love with one of them, and he did what they asked him to do anyway. Right. It's, yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah. And I, and I want to, I guess now I'll step back and say, like, the thing that I was struggling with was, I think, in my brain, I was like, stagey, stagey. I kept, like, in my brain. Sure, it was, very... like, it was like a play. But it's funny when you talk about Sarah Pauly directing and it's working with the actors, it's like, what's what's wrong with stagey when it means, like, this could have been a good fucking play that she right. was like, oh, I could get way more people to see it in a movie. Like, yep. So, I mean, this is based on a book where there's probably, like, even less shape. Right. And the fact that she shaped it into something that felt like a play. Yeah, like, where you could wrong with see like, walking into the theater and maybe, like, some people, they'd have you actually sit on the stage. You right. know? Like, you could it see feel this. feel like that. Totally. This concept going. And it's not a bad concept. Yeah. But and it, the acting was amazing. And I love how un, like, bothered it is with sort of narrative in that way of, like, mm-hmm. the question, but even kind of, like, what's happening in the movie. It is literally the title is sort of a funny, winky joke in a weird way where it's, like, yeah. it's women talking. Like, buckle in. <laughs> like, yep. Buckle up. Like, yep. and listen. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's a lot that's really interesting and challenging about it. I would highly recommend it. I think it was emotionally like like horrifying for me in a way that I kind of didn't even know how to process while I was watching. Right. So, I would recommend watching this movie as if you are in a theater. If you watch it at home, yeah. please turn off the lights. Please put your phone in another room. Yeah. Because it is quiet and slow enough that you might be tempted to just, oh, check an email or something. And this movie benefits and you will benefit through just it's true. letting it, letting you sit down in the haymow with these, with these women. Um, like a play. You wouldn't like watch a play. phone in a play. Exactly. <laughs> like, and it, it is, it's long. It's, I think it's nearly two hours long. Which it did does, not it, feel yeah, long. It doesn't feel long, but I really do recommend, please turn off the lights put your phone somewhere else and let it be a movie experience yeah that's all good movie <laughs> definitely worth seeing yep um probably should have talked about it before cabin in the woods if we're honest knock in the wood knock in the cabin <laughs> knock in the yeah uh, all right <laughs> with that segue uh pop culture we yeah, got last of us uh I don't. I sort of feel like I don't want to go on too long about this. Last of Us, Zombie Mushroom, video game adaptation, HBO, premium TV. Uh, we've seen the first three episodes. That's what's aired. We're going to go spoilers, so if you want to bail out now. Yeah, four airs tomorrow. Yeah, four airs tomorrow. That is uh, one uh, Mario Brothers, two uh, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, three. Like, it's so funny that it's like that's what when we're comparing, like, Oh, what's the best video game adaptation? Sonic the Hedgehog 2 or Last of Us? <laughs> like, okay, so I'll jump right in. Last of Us, yeah, sure. I'm guessing it's the best video game. I don't know. I don't play video games, so I don't really know. Um, and I can see watching this why people must have been very attracted to it as a video game because it's very 
cinematic. cinematic. Yeah. <laughs> and like you can see why people are excited that it's Pedro Pascal and also, wow. Bella Ramsey. Great without a mask on. I'm so just like, I get it. I mean, his butt was great, but now with a mask on. No, because they like, put a fucking cape over his butt. I'm still mad. Um, I enjoy this. I. I don't. I'm not very interested in the story at all. It just feels like a zombie, gen, very generic apocalypse thing with very little to say, and just kind of well produced. The third episode is this gay love story with. Uh, I mean, if you're in spoilers, you probably know this with uh, Nick Offerman and Murray Bartlett, Bartlett uh, from White Lotus, and it is a very sweet, very well acted love story set in the apocalypse with a doomsday prepper who happens to be gay, maybe closeted, and a just whatever random sensitive gay soul, um, and the crazy long life that they have together in the middle of this apocalypse. Um, and find comfort and joy. I cried like a baby. It got oh, so me. much. <laughs> um, so I can't say it didn't work on me, but I'm really grappling with kind of why, the why of it all. There was a really interesting article that was published in the New York Times. Uh, I highly recommend reading it, Michelle Gold, Goldberg, um, about kind of like, is Last of Us essentially a conservative show? Because so many of these zombie shows are basically about validating preppers, which is funny. Again, another connection to uh, Cabin at the End of the World, sort of this, like, you know, packing guns. Like, when Bella Ramsey's character walks in and looks at Nick Offerman's room full of guns and is like, this guy's a genius. You're like, what is this What is this saying? Like, we should be walling ourselves off. Like, because um, the, the preppers are right. There's a, It's a troubling narrative that I think... But Pedro I'm, Pascal also doesn't want her to have a gun. That's true, too. And and he's out in the world. He is roaming. And the final shot of that third episode is the window open. I, I thought about this a little bit. And I was like, oh, it's very about being open emotionally, even if you're closed off physically, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what to make I of I can show. also tell you that that's the opening screen, the, the, the okay. start screen of the game. Of the game? A oh, how funny. Is okay. it? I mean, it's not necessarily their house, yeah. but a window. And then you press play. And the creators wanted each episode actually to start with a window. Yeah. And then you'd have to press play to start oh, the episode. Okay. That was so something really they wanted. Core yes. image in the game. Yes. And for reasons that you just talked about. But that is very specifically... And I also want to say that I've seen multiple accounts of like friends, husbands, like whatever, straight men, like being deeply touched by this episode and like crying and it hitting emotional things. I've also things. seen conservatives pissed off and I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and the thrust of this article was actually like, isn't this sort of like, like kind of fighting for what, like if you're a conservative who's theoretically socially liberal should sort of sign up for, which that's a whole nother conversation. But I appreciate what both this and Cabinet of the Other World are doing, like straight men sort of pulling in kind of queer characters as regular characters and just sort of dropping that in and also fucking with like Gamergate assholes. So like I appreciate all the intent. I think I'm just grappling with a little of the like and it wasn't so much the bury the gaze cliche that I ranted to you about, like that was sort of like one reaction, but it was more just like like why why are we doing this like is this just like an emmy grab for well okay <laughs> i can tell i mean i don't think that's true i can tell you that because this is based on a game and it's a road story that each stop that 
they take is going to be some a little, a little bit of their story and somebody else's story. Okay, every episode will be like that? Yes. Okay. So you're going to get a little bit of everybody at each stop. Okay. Um, I can also tell you that the showrunners say that this is the happy episode. This is the joyful episode. This is the, you know, if you want happy in this world, this is what you get. Now, right. that seems ironic <laughs> since we all cried ourselves till we threw up. Right. Um, I took a very different take on this than you did. Um, I think I'm more in for this show than you are anyway. Um, I know that one of the, that the, the writer of the episode is, is a gay married middle-aged man. Yeah. Which uh, I hadn't known. Maury Bartlett is a gay middle-aged, right. uh, um, a married man. And, uh, there's quite a few other people involved that are gay middle and the middle-aged, the one the, the guy who is a showrunner, but also wrote the, like, was a game creator. He's, uh, he's like the middle age ended up being fun in a funny way, more important than the gay. Like, like when they all talked, it was that, that part of the lived in relationship and look, nobody tortured them. (laughs) Right. I was happy about that. We didn't have to see zombies eating them. Killed them. In fact, they survived an attack and it ended up being something natural. And Nick Offerman has that line about, you know, this isn't, this isn't sad. They learned how to share things with, you know, how to love the other one, how they wanted that, that line about love me how I want to be loved. And I don't think what he was trying to say to Joel was learn something from me. I really do think he was saying, here's the weapons. I already know that you care about Tess this way. You might not know it, but I know it. And go shoot some motherfuckers. Now, it turns out that he didn't know stuff that, you know, like he didn't know Tess was already dead and he didn't know his past of having lost a daughter and blah, 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 blah. But I really felt like the important part was that they got to have a whole life. Yeah. Yeah. And they got to choose how they went out. Yeah, look, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be mad at if I weren't intrigued by it. Yeah, Otherwise, no, I, I just wouldn't be talking about <laughs> it. So, and I, and I don't yeah, think you're upset by it. Yeah, and and I like being able to have the conversation. Yeah, uh, much like women talking, I don't know that I'll ever watch this episode of television again because I did. Like, I was worried I was going to throw up. Oh, I, I know. And I'm also like, where can the show go from here that I will even care about the characters? <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Maybe that'll maybe now that'll get, rub me back in. I am so excited. I, I'll keep going. I, yeah. You don't have to. It's okay yeah. if you're out. It's okay if it's not for you. Well, I'll see. I'm very curious. Can this maintain any of the sort of emotional connection that at least seems to have like done well, in that I third think episode? Bella Ramsey and Pablo Pascal are really both super competent actors, and I think they're doing a really good job. When he reaches over and clicks her seatbelt in, every parent's done that fifty thousand times, you know. And her complete joy of—it's like a spaceship. No, it's like a shitty S ten. He's, it's, they're really leaning into the Baby Yoda of it all, aren't they? The Grogu yeah, of it all. But although someone the, pointed out that that was before. Yeah. The, yeah. Again, it's the Lone Cub level right. or whatever. But he, he is just, he's such a pro. He's so good. He's really good. I've actually really enjoyed seeing him. So, yeah. And I love the, the gray in his hair and, yeah. the, you know, that he's, yeah. I love the gruffness. I, 
Yeah, she's trippy. I'm confused by her, but I think that's right. on tim- purpose. She may be they them. I gotta check. Okay. I, I mean, I think oh, she's she, she okay. Is, but I, I do know that uh, that she is non-binary. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Okay. Good to know. So, okay. I'll have to check that, and I'm sorry, um, Bella, if I messed up your pronouns, and I won't do it again. I will check it. Now, only if we were psychic, we went no. Call me Miss Cleo. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> That was the worst. Se- I'm doing bad segues tonight. That's my yeah. Uh, sorry, everybody. Uh, we both saw. I know that's the only reason I felt okay doing this. Uh, Calling Miss Cleo is a documentary on Netflix. I didn't write uh, networks. Anyways, find this documentary. It's on streaming on one of the big ones. Uh, Fanny told me about this a while ago, and I think I went. Wait, what? Now this is good. Why are you talking about this? Uh, I just started it one night randomly. This has been a while ago since it's been a while since we recorded. This is a great. Do- documentary miss cleo is a really interesting figure it is about uh her hbo max hbo max it is about her fake like you know jamaican heritage which is you know complicated i think in many ways more than you think and just like that's a dumb fake jamaican accent there's sort of things about it that come to light uh she was a closeted lesbian for a lot of her life um this is a really sweet interesting movie about people that sort of kind of perform kind of narratives and like kind of are in on a joke but also like the joke is also maybe not a total joke to them but they also sort of can recognize like uh, a layer of their performing something i just found this movie really fascinating really touching um such a cultural moment that you kind of don't realize do you watch it how much it's sort of just baked into like our national punchlines of that right. era Absolutely. um but I, I i found it really unexpectedly moving yeah i agree with you yeah. i don't have a ton else to say yeah it wasn't, you know it wasn't deeper you know i mean it was a, i'm really glad i watched it i super encourage people to watch it yeah but I don't have a ton more to say. I think you summed it up very well. I cried again. I did too. And call me Miss cry. Fucking Cleo, I called. Um, <laughs> yeah. I did not cry at Extraordinary, which I maybe expected to, but I did not. Um, you finished it? Yes. And you didn't cry once? No. Okay. Well, uh, good to know. This is Hulu's... Uh, well, I guess... It was, did it air already in the BBC at oh, first? So. Okay. This is a show about... Uh, 20-somethings in London, and they are in a world in which people basically get superpowers. In a world. In a world. Except some people don't get superpowers, like our main character. Uh, She's very upset about this and trying to kind of figure out whether she can get superpowers. Superpowers in this world range from being, like, super strong to, sorry, slight spoilers, uh, you know, pooping things out of your butt um, as a 3D printer. So I, this only sh- if they're aerodynamic. Only if they're aerodynamic. That's my favorite line. So I, I posted about this when this show started. I was texting Fanny and posting. I was like, this is like flea bag for the next generation plus Buffy. I still think there's the potential for that. Fanny made fun of me very... Fanny made fun of me very quickly, and as I watched the full season, I was like, yeah, no, they weren't going quite as hard on the flea bag as I thought so they could have. Fanny is right. Um, I could... They could do that, and I think there are hints that, that like that's maybe where they want to go, but I will say, having seen... You've only seen three episodes, yeah. so I won't spoil it too much. I will say, as I watched it more, they kind of constantly went for the joke when they could have gone for the gut punch, and I was a little like... Oh man! I, I was picking up. On. Yeah, I was sort of thinking it was going to go a different way. For me, it felt way more mystery man, which is a movie oh, I really enjoy. Yeah. Than Fleet yeah, man. and I will say, wait, you enjoy it? Oh, right. 
you yes, I see what you're saying. You should enjoy that movie more than Fleabag. My brain no, read no, that no, wrong. No, no, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Um, <laughs> this is more mystery men. Yes, than yes. I enjoyed mystery men. Yes, I worship. Fleabag. Yeah, it's. I still think it's worth watching. It's oh, funny. Yeah, I think yeah, there's a lot of yeah. promise. There are very sweet moments where you're like, this family dynamic and this sort of broken character at the center is like really like there's a lot of material there to work with but just like the the dumb one-off jokes that should have stayed one-off like just move on from those and build from here um a lot of sharp writing really sharp performances across the board i really love her roommate uh is this like sort of neurotically sweet uh channeling people from the, the past and there's a lot of sweetness that they get out of that um, the characters are great. The setup is there. Uh, the the nun from Dairy Girls is the mom, and even she's good in this. And I kind of am like, oh, you're setting this up to be great. So just get great. So get extraordinary. Get great. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Get great, okay. Yeah. I will keep watching, though. It's eight episodes. It's perfectly fun watch. And I think they're half an hour episode. Half an hour. I love me a half hour episode. Oh. Great. Somebody in my brain with the soundtrack, because every goddamn band on that was like, this band? Oh, my God. Um, all right, should we move on to our separate stuff? Why don't you go first? Sure. Oh, I thought you were going first. It doesn't matter. I don't know. You go first. You're okay, first I'll go top. first. And I just put it there first. The all right, Tar. God, I got a lot, so I'm going to tear through this because it's a lot to talk about this week. Tar. I haven't heard from us in over a month. They can, they can handle it. Uh, man, I loved this movie. I did not think I was going to. I started it. It's long. It's slow. Break it up over two nights if you need to. Uh, it is currently streaming on Peacock, I think. One of those. Um, it is. Kate Blanchett is phenomenal. I remember reading things that it basically felt like she was sort of in her uh, Blue Jasmine kind of overdone campy suit the scenery chewing but i'm like i'm sorry like i love an, a good actor that can push it right to the edge of chewing you just kind of see them gnawing a little and then they just pull it back yes i just tried to chew on my mic a little bit um this movie is so weird and funny and looks at systems of power like about kind of you know uh workplace uh harassment and sort of not even exactly harassment but sort of just the coercion of people when you have power towards sort of sexual or even just kind of like personal dynamics um i think it is really interesting that it has a woman at the center of that who's kind of a monster but it kind of doesn't never goes into the like see women can do it too there's never a sense of that at all it is about like yeah these are systems of power and and also if you were a woman in that position everything you would need to do to sort of get to that position would probably like break you and fuck you up a little bit so it's really interested in this world of conducting i should say is the world that they're in uh if a movie about a conductor sounds boring it is so not and i saw the preview and was like this looks really boring. It's about con- like this. What do conductors do? What is that? And like waving your arms around. The movie is so weirdly gripping. There's maybe some supernatural stuff happening in it. I don't know. There's a lot of theories, rabbit holes to go down after you watch this movie. Um, it is a weird puzzle box of a movie. I loved it. She's brilliant. Everybody in it is good. Um, I kind of want to talk to you about it when you've seen it. Okay. Um, I, I think it was streaming on Peacock. It is no longer. Ah, damn. Um, you can watch it with ads on a couple of things, but it's also a two seventy nine rental it's at Amazon. So worth or renting. Seven ninety nine buy. So, so worth renting. I w- yeah. one little qualification is that I 
there's a woman who is a lesbian conductor who has also had a somewhat controversial past. They basically have denied that it had anything to do with her. She's fucking pissed off at this movie and it feels attacked. I get it. But I'm also like, I I don't know. I need to know more, but like, I don't know. Um, Reservation Dogs, a a comedy slash uh, drama about uh, people, basically uh, Native American indigenous at a reservation in, where does it take place? I'm blanking on where it's set. Oklahoma, I think. Um, This is such a funny, weird, great comedy. Uh, I started it. Thought a little like, okay, the reservation, like dogs, oh, it's like a joke on Tarantino, and it leans into that in the beginning. And my first reaction to the first episode was like, I I don't think I want to watch this. Keep watching. This gets so good and rich. You have been telling me since episode three that you like it. No, no, but the first episode I started like a year ago, and I was like, I don't really get it. Yeah, yeah. I remember you like saying, no, no, you should watch this. Yeah, well, I I pushed. Yeah, there's something about it that at the beginning I didn't click with. It's so good and just gets better and better. And also tons of queer people doing great, interesting stories. Um, it is just very weird and surreal and feels like who, like, man, we talk a lot about Taika Waititi and his dumb, like, Thor movies or whatever. When he's putting up money to fund things like this, I'm just like, this guy's a good, good egg. I, good egg. Yeah. Um, and this is a great show. And there's a third season coming soon. And I can't wait. And I'm very late. And I'm loving Reservation Dogs. Yeah, I need to catch up. Yeah. I, I have not even finished the first season. I yeah. Intend to. But I know that it does have some emotion. Yeah. I've got a lot of emotion going on. Yeah. Right There's a lot in there. Um, I did also see Mithrigan, as everyone's Mithrigan. called it. Um, about the killer doll. I don't want to say too much about it, except that Fanny will have a great time. We'll talk about it more because it's fun and everyone should see it. Um, Causeway is a movie I saw with Jennifer Lawrence and Brian Tyree Henry. I believe he is nominated. And he's, he's great in it. Um, this is a movie that, yeah, a few years ago probably would have been like made for Oscar nominations. I mean, fucking apparently Top Gun, Maverick, and Avatar are. This is a better movie you than so many feelings. Either of those. It's also not a great movie. Um, but I found it fun and not fun. It's sort of melancholy and slow and interesting and a great character kind of movie. It's the kind of movie I worked at the Angelica Cinemas in New York in 1992. It's the kind of movie that would have caused a sensation back then and now you're like, we got a lot of these kind of movies. Um, Oh, Causeway. I didn't think of that. Kind of related is Till, another movie that I think a lot of people were uh, kind of thinking would get a lot of Oscars and didn't. Again, better than Avatar and Top Gun Maverick. Um, But but kind of also a, a you know a very f- gorgeously filmed Wikipedia page about an obviously important and hard to watch subject. Um, I don't know. It till it's worth seeing. I think especially if you don't know a lot about this case. I don't know that's how, how that's possible, but I think a lot of people, younger people, might not. So till about the murder of Emmett Till, a insane sort of horrible, gruesome story with no Religious justice. Murder. Yeah, and um, it's 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 upsetting, and about her, the mother of this murdered child, basically pivoting towards activism, and uh, the lead performance is fantastic. I'm forgetting her name, and I'm so sorry because she was hotly tipped for an Oscar nomination. I forget her name, but she's very good in this. Um, uh, movie compartment number six. I 
don't remember if this is nominated. I don't think it is for foreign film. It is a Finnish film um, about uh, a woman on a train with a very gross kind of like sexist Russian guy. And they are taking a train up to the Arctic Circle. She's going up to see some petroglyphs. He's just sort of has some job situation and he's drunk and lechy and gross. They kind of break through and sort of find each other in the middle a little bit and not in like some cheesy romantic way and just kind of like I see you as a human being way. This is a great, slow, weird, beautiful movie. I highly recommend it if you can just kind of like sign up for a good, slow, subtitled Finnish Russian co-production set on a train. Uh, I recommend this. It's really good. Uh, yeah. It's compartment number six. Uh, Eternal Daughter, another slow one that I did not like very much. Um <laughs> Got a lot of sort of, uh, you know, praise from a certain circle of kind of film type people. Uh, Joanna Hogg, who directed the souvenir movies that a lot of people love. This is, I guess, sort of related somehow. Like it's kind of a sequel. It's Tilda Swinton playing basically uh, her mother and her and, and the daughter at the same time. So there's a lot of like back and forth across the table Tilda Swinton showing off her cool acting skills. Uh, there's a supernatural element to this. It is very slow. It's not very satisfying as a horror movie. I didn't find it very satisfying as a drama. I find Joanna Hogg's movies kind of stilted and pretentious and not really a fan. Eternal Daughter. Uh, the People We Hate at the Wedding. This is... Uh, did not really like this very much either. Alison Janney, Kristen Bell, Ben Platt, all people I like, respect, kind of interested in. Well, uh, first two at least. Um, this is a movie about terrible, terrible people at a wedding. Oh, guess what? The people we hate at the wedding are ourselves. Uh, really? It goes everywhere you think it would go. Uh, Alison Janney's doing her best. Kristen Bell's doing her best. This is a not funny movie that doesn't actually seem particularly aware of how terrible the people that we hate at the wedding actually are. Uh, Lockwood and Co. This is new on Netflix. Uh, it is a show based on a young adult series about a world in which ghosts exist everywhere and kill people with a single touch. Only younger people, young children, adults, uh, young adults, I guess until you hit a certain age, are sensitive to them. And they've been drafted into a war against the ghosts to sort of like fight them and kill them. Uh, this is a good show. I'm only an episode and a half in but i'm vibing with the the whole like feel of this it's kind of dark and grim and a little dystopian but also fun which is definitely like kind of scratching my itch for that sort of thing right now um lockwood and co it's fun i'm gonna keep watching it uh finally some things i caught up on the menu and white lotus 2 very similar kind of vibes for both of these it's funny it's like you can talk about these together the menu i enjoyed um i didn't love it but i enjoyed it it's a perfectly great rental. Um, it's fun. Check it out. Well filmed. Fanny talked about it well. Uh, White Lotus season two. Didn't like it as much as the first one. My instincts were exactly how it played out to be. Uh, I, I'll probably keep watching this as long as he keeps throwing interesting people in this. Uh, my mom, very obsessed with Jennifer Coolidge now. So thanks, Mike White. Um <laughs> Finally, fucking Avatar, Way of the Water. I'm only talking about this because I promised I would. It's as dumb as you'd expect. Uh, it's the How same it? same fucking movie all over again. It's very pretty. I know Cameron means well with, like, to respect nature and whatever. This movie, why is this nominated for Best Picture? But, like, I, yeah, enough of the fucking Smurfs. I'm, I'm done with it. Anyways. <laughs> Sorry, did you say 
I didn't come up with that. I can't claim that. People have called it Smurf oh, Planet yeah. before. I know. Um, <laughs> I know it's it's it is yeah it's Smurfs with spears. Um, what do you got? <laughs> That's new. I, I did coin that. <laughs> Just a minute. Uh, I have an ex. Bring it on. I would like to talk to the executives at Hulu. Ring ring. <laughs> Hello, executives at Hulu. Why did you cancel reboot season two? Fucking. Why did you do this? Why don't you go over and talk to Apple TV Plus, who renewed Schmigadoon? <laughs> Schmigadoon. Now, I actually kind of even enjoyed Schmigadoon, mainly because Alan Cumming, but you renewed Schmigadoon. Maybe Apple TV Plus can give you the balls to renew Reboot, which is by a creator who is has a track record of doing shows for 750 years. I had to watch roughly 900 episodes of Modern Family. You can give me six more episodes of Reboot, which was smart, charming, intelligent. And probably not that expensive. Oh, I'm so mad. Just, <laughs> I'm so mad. It's infuriating. Like, what a... If fucking, like, the network streaming worlds want to figure out how to, like, bridge the gap, that yeah, was the that show. Was like, they're dummies, like, just shooting themselves in the face 10,000 times. I will um, give the streaming world a little bit of credit now because stars did go ahead and buy minks. But I didn't even see anything that Reboot is being shot. We need to start a little campaign. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, I don't know. A GoFundMe? Yeah. Something. Justice yeah. for Reboot? Yeah. Because, yeah, it starts out, it's very cookie cutter, but it goes lots of interesting places, and it'll bring in those people that watch things like Modern Family for 952,000 episodes and give them something a little bit deeper. And I'm so I'm upset. Also, justice for Judy Greer. Somebody I know. make her super fucking famous. Exactly. Rachel Bloom, make her super fucking famous. I, I'm... I blame it on a dumb name. I think the name was a problem. I guess. But... Oh, I am sad. And not marketed at all. No, not yeah. at all. No. Which is... Uh, continues to be a problem. Yep. All right. So that's my next. I'm very upset. I'm right on the next. At the Hulu <laughs> executives, <laughs> the four horsemen are coming. To this you. is the horsemen of wrath, not comfort. That's right. <laughs> okay, so, speaking of Alan Cumming and Schmigadoon, you know there's this really weird show. I've heard about it. Yeah, I had pink eye. I had terrible, terrible pink eye. I am 50 years old. I have never had pink eye, and I ended up in the emergency room Ow. for my pink eye. So. You know what you can't do when you have pink eye? Read, open your eyes, be super comfortable at all for apparently two and a half goddamn weeks. So you know what you can do? Listen to really stupid reality competition TV. Just listen. You know what? You didn't even get to see the people. When Alan Cummings is host, when Alan Cumming walks down the house and down the stairway in a Scottish manner, wearing everything except a hat on top of a hat. And then sends these idiots off into the world to play stupid reality TV games. I could even tell you, like, the premise of this. this it doesn't matter. There's eight reality TV people, celebrities, and eight normal people. They're fighting over money. It, it doesn't matter. This is Alan Cumming 
being like, sure, give me a bunch of money to be real gay, real weird, real bitchy, and also kind of sweet. And I'll do it again in six months. Watch Traders. It's super weird. All right. It's super dumb. You probably won't enjoy it. I'm talking to the, the audience <laughs> at large. I, the fuck is all I have to say about Traders. Super. Weird. Isn't there also a British version? Well, yeah, yeah, it's based on the British. But how the Alan Cumming is not in the British no, version. No, that's no, the no, weird part no, that's breaking no, my brain. No, okay. No. Um, I also saw Violent Night. This is David Harbour as a disgruntled nihilistic, used to be a Viking Santa Claus with true magic and Home Alone. If it was, you know, like. They really got to hurt those guys. Uh, hour and 54 minutes that I thoroughly enjoyed. Nice. They have already greenlit Violet Night 2. I will be there on opening night. This is not for Justin. Very gory. Anyway, shape or form. <laughs> this is like John Wick meets Home Alone. Like, literally. Home Alone plot, John Wick. Very uh, stabby. One of the, the, no, like. One of the fight coordinators of the John Wick oh, wow. okay. series is the director. Okay. Violent Night, check it out. Um, this is going to hurt. Speaking of Ben Shot, I am late to this because I didn't start to watch it on AMC Plus. Because A, it's about a guy who works in the NHS, like OBGYN ward. And I heard it was kind of like graphic. Yeah. It's not gory. There is some, some, you know, but you can kind of see it coming. Jesus Christ, what a good show. Please renew this show. Ben Wishaw's really good. It's funny. It's emotional. It's smart. It's not manipulative. Really, really good show. Super worth watching. Um, I watched Orphan 2. I watched 10 minutes of it, so I'm dying to know what you thought of it. (laughs) really stupid. I thought it was so bad, and I kept reading that it was like actually good, and I was like, "This is not an actually good movie. This is a bad movie." I liked the first one. <laughs> Me too. This movie is terrible. It's offensively bad. It's, so, it, it's bad. So you didn't even get to all like, okay, spoilers for Orphan Two, <laughs> Annie. You know, it's a hard knock life for us. Okay, you've been warned. Did you get to any of the twists? Do you know? I know what the twists are because I read. I think John later Payne I was like, I'm just going to read that. The brother kills the yeah. orphan, so they, so the mother and the brother know from the from the get. Yeah, that she ain't the sister, and then they so fucking dumb. Also, Julia Stiles is not talented enough. No, to any of this shit. Up. No, I got nothing against Julia Stiles. She's the she's like you know the peanut butter <laughs> of like it's actors. True. She's bland. She's fine. It's really true. What the hell ever. Her dance in Save the Last Dance is ridiculous, and many a meme has been used for it, so we thank you for that, Julia Stiles. Ten Things I Hate About You is one of my favorite movies of all times. In spite of her, this movie is terrible. It's terrible. It looked like shit. I was like, what? why are you all trying to make this a moment? Because no, it's it was, not, yeah. It was awful. In my, I believe, if I remember correctly, that... AMC Plus's interview with the vampire was one of my top 17 items. Uh, you loved it. Series. Loved it. Adored it. Still think everyone should go watch it. Except you. Because somebody actually gets their jawbone ripped off. Oh, God, and yeah, you no. see it. And they carry him around. But not for you. <laughs> and it's during an upsetting, like, abusive, like an God. abusive spouse. Okay. Yep. All right. Um, I am, and, and AMC bought, like, 
made a whole thing, a whole universe, the mortal universe. Bought 17 of Anne Rice's books. The next one was Mayfair Witches. I actually enjoyed the first book of the Mayfair Witches. Um, I also really liked Rowan uh, Mayfair as a character. I liked Lasher the Demon. I love uh, Jack Houston, who was in Boardwalk Empire with the, with the tin face. Great. And, and Alexandra Daddario, love her. Really good actors in this. This is terrible. So why is it terrible? Is it just like it's tacky? Just, it's like tacky. Yeah. They, they cast And which stuff they always go wrong. Ooh. You know, it's Yeah. Like, it's just not good. It's just, it misses everything. I'm going to, get me wrong, I'm going to keep watching it because I the Anne Rice world, I really, you know, I'm waiting for season two of Interview with the Vampire and whatever else they do. And who knows, maybe they could get there, but it's just, they, they, they maybe the maybe it's been long enough since I've read the novel that really the story isn't that strong, but it's just and I know that there's a lot of super problematic stuff that happens in the novel. I do remember that, so they may be trying to get around some of that really awful stuff. There's a lot of non consensual and pregnant. Oh God! Oh yeah! Why is that <laughs> just, such a trope with bad like? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also Anne Rice basically said she wasn't that the writing about women bored her until she got bad boy. Uh, Lasher, the demon that involuntary impre- involuntarily impregnates people. But here's the thing. He's like this demon and he's obsessed with this woman and she gives up a baby. He ends up then like having a romantic thing with that baby. But if I remember <laughs> So Twilight ripped all this he's off? the father of the demon. Is the, I know he at least impregnates Rowan. But I think he might have impregnated Rowan's mother with her. Isn't this the Twilight problem? I think no, this happens in Twilight no, too. No. I thought he was in love with the babe. I don't know. Anyways, no, that's no, a whole another. <laughs> okay. This is the father being in love with the babe, with the daughter. That's what happens in Twilight. No, I thought, but what okay. In, I fucking read Twilight. That's not <laughs> what happens in Twilight. Twilight. Bella and Edward get married. They get pregnant. Jacob. Turns out, oh, he, that's okay. I knew there was some weird. He thought he was in love with Bella was because yeah. she had eggs in her of little Renesme. They didn't have fucking kid Renesme. But I, I threw, I literally threw my book across the room and said they named that fucking kid Renesme. Anyway, it was because she had little egg Renesme in her, and he was imprinting because. Stephanie Myers is super sensitive and really understands two-natured people and, you know, the indigenous community as a goddamn Mormon. Anyway. Back to the dumb witches. Sorry, that was my fault. Yeah, you said <laughs> I wound you up. Twilight and I know my shit because I've read it a lot. I love it. And I ironically loved it, but it's terrible. I have started watching Will Trent. I do not know what this is. Will Trent is um, based on a series of novels by Karen Slaughter, who also wrote Pieces of Her, which was the right. Um, and I recently was angry because I'd started reading what I thought was the new standalone, and it turned out it was a sequel to Pieces of Her, and I was, I felt lied to. Will Trent is her series. It's about a, a Georgia. Invest like the Georgia Bureau of Investigations agent. He is. Uh, he's grew up in a, uh, a foster system in a group home. He has severe dyslexia. And at the beginning of the series of novels is 
like elderly neighbor dies and leaves this stranded uh, chihuahua that, that he then tries to take to a shelter. And he says, you're in no kill shelter, right? And they say, well, mostly. So of course, as a foster kid from an abused home, he takes Betty home. He is a six foot six man with a small teeny tiny chihuahua on a pink leaf. <laughs> I think you can imagine why I love these. Right. Books. They're not super well written novels, but the characters are great. And, and I'm in love with Betty. ABC bought this this series of novels. They cast a man who's five nine and a half. <laughs> I understand that actors are short. I'm I'm dealing with it. <laughs> the actors fine. They also cast Erica Christensen, who is a smyontologist. And it's just kind of a boring procedural. And it's called Will Trent. It's called Will Trent, which is the character's <laughs> name. I can't stop watching this show because I am so in love with Betty. <laughs> okay. All right. Betty was cast perfectly. Yeah. She's the most charming little chihuahua you've ever seen. The fact that Will loves her so much and that they have remained so true to his relationship with Betty to the book. That's enough. But I don't care. I, I don't even remember any of the mysteries. They had, you know, Zach from <laughs> Saved by the Bell was in the first couple. And, and I like that actor, Mark Paul Gossler. I like that actor, whatever. It's not a good show, but I love Betty and Will, and I will watch the show for ever and ever just for Betty and Will. <laughs> Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. I saw it. It's good. It's fine. My little niece sat there and kicked and punched during the sad, the scary scenes, which when she gets scared, I didn't know this, and no, apparently nobody taught it to her. She's just always done it. When she gets scared, she starts punching the things away from her. No, love is, it. <sighs> yeah. But also, warning to parents, of small children. This is PG. The wolf is fucking scary. Really? Okay. They say idiot. They say crap. They say hell. And there's lots of murder. Oh, um, okay. So it, it's PG for a reason. Um, it's not like, this isn't like trigger warning or anything, but... but More than you expected. We probably wouldn't have taken my niece. Right. Had, we, had it even clicked in that it was PG. Was the first Puss in Boots like that? I don't, I don't even know. know. I did not yeah. Anyway, I really liked it. Super worth watching. Really fun. Um, I've started watching this show on Hulu. It's called The Watchful Eye. Under, under her. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This this girl starts becoming a nanny for a rich family in a, like a, like a big, you know, what do they call it? Condo things that aren't condos, you know, co-ops. Right. But it's all basically the same rich family with all kinds of secrets. And the mom had jumped out a window or was she pushed? But then it turns out that she's only nannying because her and her crooked uh, cop boyfriend want to find this giant Ruby. And, but maybe she kind of likes the kid, but also maybe there's ghosts going on. It's not good. I will continue to watch it. It's on Hulu. It's called the watchful eye. Uh, The gossip girl reboot was canceled after season two. I was more invested in the thruple on this show than I care to admit. Oh, no. Okay. I will miss you, Aki and Audrey. And who? Is there a third? And there's a third. Okay. And now I can't. It's the Ed Westwood stand-in, <laughs> and now I can't. Max. All right. Aki you got there. Max and Audrey, and I read things. They're broken up because they didn't know that, you know, they're, they're doing the will they, won't they, and they didn't know they were going to be canceled, so it kind of left on a, like, a cliffhanger thing. And I read an article that the, the creators said one thing. They said, I, I'm just 
the one thing I wish we'd been able to do was complete that because they were end game, and I really don't want people to think that we were saying that polyamory can't work. Right. And so I love that, and I love them, and I thought they were really sweet. There was some really interesting and very honest portrayals of like things as 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 equal things as honest and but not treated with any sort of salation or of one of the members of the the thruple they thought he was cheating because he was kind of like sneaking around to buy stuff and do and they had like weird messages and it turned out that he'd just been really nervous because he knew that they wanted him to bottom and he didn't know how and but it was super honest and open and it made me cry and i and Thrupples, watch out. The apocalypse content creators are coming for you next. <laughs> it wasn't a great show, but I really respected what they tried to do here, and I was invested in those three characters. Nice. So, That's cool. It's funny. It's like I never heard of any Thrupples on TV that are like had a real storyline. And these so, are, you know, teenagers. Yeah. I mean, rich teenagers can do anything yeah. But I just, I, I really like that. That's cool. Um, I finally watched the Werner Herzog um, uh, take off. He's not in it, but it's about, you know, it's like the takeoff of... I don't think I've seen this one. I need to watch this. Yeah. And it's, um, uh, Skarsgård. It's, uh, Peter. Peter. Stellan. It's, it's Alec. Alexander. Okay. As the Werner Herzog stand-in. It's great. Okay, I gotta watch this. It's the two-part opener to the fourth season. Oh my god. I ended up watching a whole shit ton of it. Again, Pink Eye. Because I was looking for this episode, and it was really hard to find. So I watched a whole bunch of It's fun. I like it. Which shouldn't be my thing, but I really enjoyed a lot of it. A lot of Fred Arms. Yeah, you gotta get through the Fred <laughs> Arms of it all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> um, the good fight ended. I thought they did a really good job. And now they're going to do a Carrie Preston uh, spinoff of her character, Elizabeth Tassioni. And I'm very excited for that. It's called Good Night. Probably. <laughs> and I will end with Poker Face. Justin has watched 10 minutes. I have asked him. I made it a good half hour, probably. Okay. (laughs) You told me 10 minutes. Um, I have tasked him with, please watch one specific episode to see if he can get in it. But I will say, I love the show. I am on board for Natasha Leone. I am on board for Ryan Johnson. I am on board for this sort of spin of the Columbo murder she wrote. You can watch them in any order. Crazy guest stars. You know, I mean... The one I watched this morning had Judith Light and S. Apatha Murkison and Simon Hel- Helberg. And then the one the one that I'm trying to get Justin to watch has like John Ratzenberger and <laughs> Colton Roy and Brandon Michael Hall from The Mayor. And <laughs> it's just... And Hong Chow. This is such a fun, smart show. And what I love most about it is... The basis is this woman can is basically a human lie detector. It's not anything supernatural. She can't. She doesn't have precognition or anything like that. Just she knows when someone's lying, um, and then she's on the run from bad guys. Um, and it's Natasha Leone, so it would be very easy to lean into the nihilism and the cynicism, and it doesn't do that at all this character is joyful and she's like she loves the cool things that she comes in contact with and she's on the run she could be like you know just an asshole and instead she's super loving her life and i love that that's kind of the message of let's choose joy let's choose meeting people and learning nice and 
Anyway, I love That intrigues show. me more than anything I saw, so I like that. I love this show. <laughs> I think it's great. I love Natasha Leone. Next week is Dinner Theater and Ellen Barkin. I'm so excited. Nice. Poker Face on what what channel? It's on Peacock. Peacock. That's right. Uh, <laughs> we covered a lot. If you got thoughts, uh, let us know. We are on Facebook at the next podcast. You can email us at motion to nicks at gmail.com. That's a legal term. Motion to nicks. We fancy. Um, we are also on Twitter at the next podcast. And Fanny's there where? At Fanny the Darling. I'm not on Twitter anymore. So talk to us. We will talk to you next time. Hopefully sooner. We say that all the time. Yeah. We'll Good night. See you in the next few weeks. <laughs> Good night.